Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This is a weekly podcast with new episodes every Sunday and Monday morning. The inspiration for this podcast was a desire to talk about things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Audible. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a monthly donation by scrolling down to the notes section of this episode or clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week, I wanted to speak with you about embodiment. And before I even begin, I want to let you know that I love everything about this word. I love what it stands for. I love how it sounds. And it's been a very important part of my own personal practice for a really long time. I'd say 10 plus years. Embodiment has been the foundation of everything I've done. And in those 10 plus years, I've seen how it has grown and matured along with me and become a really important emotional tool that I can tap into even when some other things fail me. Embodiment is always there. So when my relationship to that is strong, I see all of the benefits in my personal life, my family life, my communication skills, my professional life, and that's really why I wanted to talk about it today. So to begin with, what does embodiment actually mean? When you look up the definition, you see that it says a tangible or visible form of an idea, quality, or feeling. Okay, so we'll get into that in a second, but we will note that they don't say that the definition of embodiment is trying to do something. They don't say that embodiment is talking about doing something. I'm sure everyone listening has heard the phrase, fake it till you make it. And I wanted to talk about that here when we are touching on embodiment because it actually does really apply. There are so many negative connotations out there in the world regarding that phrase. And it's seen as being inauthentic or not being legitimate or a whole mess of things. I actually love the phrase, fake it till you make it. I actually think it's really, really helpful and can create powerful change within us. Maybe what we are doing is not serving us. I know that's a shock. I know we all think that we're always functioning in the highest level, but imagine if how you're interacting with the world around you, how you're communicating, how you're connecting, how you're making decisions, 
all of those things, what if they were not serving you? And how helpful would it be to embody higher ideals? And instead of waiting until it perfectly fit your entire life and felt natural, you faked it till you made it. Not waiting for the mind to steer the ship. We're talking about being in presence and being in action, doing the thing we said we would do the way we said we would do it, when we said we would do it, with the people we said we would do it with, without waiting for our mind to give us the okay. And I know that that is not how everyone wants to exist in the world, and I totally get it, but I know that when I needed to make profound changes in my life, in my personality, in my reactivity, in my responsiveness, in my communication, if I had waited until my mind was on board, we would all still be waiting. And instead, I decided to move into the space of embodiment. And at first, that meant faking it until I made it. That meant I don't want to connect with other people. I don't want to lead with kindness. I don't want to lead with empathy. I don't want to approach you from a position of neutrality because all of my defense mechanisms are telling me that if I do all of those things, I'm setting myself up to fail. I'm making myself vulnerable, blah, blah, blah. My whole story that I weave around it. But when I decided to just fake it till I made it and do a little experiment and see if I do all of these things that are suggested to me, let me just see what happens. And at first, it was really awkward. These were not my first thoughts. These were not the things I initially wanted to do upon meeting people or being in difficult situations. I wanted to fly into reactivity because that's what felt most natural for me. But by faking it, by modeling what I thought other people would do in these situations, I was able to make those shifts within myself and I was able to see the impact it had. So it was the risk and the reward. So in the past, if I would be in a situation and fly into emotional reactivity so that I could use force or impose my will on something to get what I want, I'm going to fake it in a situation. I'm going to just approach it from a position of neutrality, just calmly step back, maybe even keep my mouth shut and just listen, watch, and wait. And when good things would happen from that, from me taking a counterintuitive action, not doing the very first thing I thought to do that I'm hardwired to do, I started to see a shift. I started to see different outcomes. I started to see people experience me differently. And that became the norm. And that is the foundation of embodiment. One of the greatest gifts and lessons in my own life is that I've had several people come into my life and talk to me about the difference between volunteering for something and surrendering to it. And they also talked about the trap of the word trying and how we all rely on it and we all fall into the trap. And at first, I really struggled with those concepts and I thought, well, you know what I mean when I say I'm trying something? You know, why do we have to get into this semantic debate? And they always encouraged me to just bring myself back to the very core and to not allow myself those little slips. 
And so that brings us to what they spoke about, which was, are you volunteering to make changes in your life or are you surrendering to making changes in your life? And what is the difference? I would say that volunteers try. Surrendering to something is a very different practice. When we surrender, we transfer our energy to the winning side, and we are no longer trying to keep one toe in one world and one toe in another. And when we're talking about trying and how much of a trap that concept is, it really comes up here. It's really important to think about. And I'm not saying, you know, you have to totally embrace everything I'm talking about. I'm just trying to share a different way of looking at these things and some common traps that we all fall into. You know, if you went to anyone in your life and said, I'm going to try to be different. I'm going to try to be a great partner. I'm going to try to communicate. I'm going to try not to cheat on my spouse. I'm going to try to not blow all my money every weekend. They'd probably pat you on the back and say, that's great. You're making changes. But the thing is, we're not. We're only trying. When we surrender to something, we are actually making a change. We're really just turning something over and saying, I don't have it. Maybe there is a solution, and maybe that solution is not within me. And if you're listening right now, I invite you to pause and reflect on your own life and think about moments when you were stuck in that volunteer position. You were stuck in the trying. And in doing that, you put a limit on your own capacity and potential. And you didn't see it that way at the time. You thought, I'm doing my best. I'm trying. And what would it have felt like in that situation if you had actually surrendered and you showed up with embodiment and presence? Would that have changed the outcome of the situation you were in? And maybe if it's easier, because we love to point fingers, (laughs) think about a former partner. And in what ways were they volunteering for the relationship? In what ways were they blocked by this concept of trying? And how would the relationship have been different if they were in embodiment and they were surrendered and present? Another example of that is in our own families. And I've spoken extensively about adult children of alcoholics on this podcast because that is a group that I have attended for a really long time and those are steps that I've worked in my own life. And this topic comes up a lot when we are talking about our families of origin. So many of us had parents who said, I love my kids. I love my family. And they really stuck to that. And they really grasped to that concept of trying and volunteering. But for so many of us who grew up in those households where we experienced abuse or neglect, To hear a parent say, I love my kid, meant nothing to us. Love is experienced in embodiment, and that means a safe home. It means safe communication. It means safe physicality. All of those things are embodiment. And what it really comes down to in its simplest form is the difference between talking about something and doing something. And we all know some good talkers. So if you have that really challenging relationship that began in your home of origin, and when someone says, I love you, 
I love this relationship. I love this family. And you think to yourself, don't tell me you love me. Show me because I don't believe you. And there is a difference between the words coming out of your mouth and the actions you take on a daily basis. If you consistently show someone through your actions that you love them, yes, the words are important and they're beautiful. And I'm sure someone's going to get into a huge argument with me about love languages. I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about authenticity and not needing to promote our feelings, not needing to create a narrative about our feelings, but embodying them in such an authentic way that without saying a single word, the people around us feel safe. They feel loved. They feel supported. Because the whole world tells us that we have to think our way into good action. And I'm sitting here telling you, I actually think we have to act our way into good thinking and that that might have a more profound effect on who we are, how we show up in relationships, and how we evolve. That's saying, I actually don't know my limit. I don't know my capacity, but I'm willing to show up and take the action and see where it takes me. And you can pause here and think about your current relationship. And if you're not currently in a relationship, think about the most profound relationship of your life. Were you embodying the things that you wanted to communicate to this person? Or were you trying? And if when you didn't immediately get exactly what you wanted out of the situation, did you drop those things? Did you say to yourself, I'll be kind and empathetic and honest as long as I get exactly what I want from this person? And the second you hit a bump, you just drop those things. Or were you embodying them? And instead of talking about being a trustworthy person, were you simply trustworthy? Were you trustworthy in situations where it wasn't easy? Were you trustworthy in situations where you'd previously been challenged in the past? You want to embody being a loving partner? Did you talk about it? Or did you find ways to show it? Did you find ways to show up? Did you find ways to be of service and say, at every turn, I'm wondering, how can I show up in this situation? What can I bring to the situation? How can I make the situation better, make this person feel safer? And those are the really important questions when we're talking about embodiment, especially in a culture that, as I've said before, really encourages us to self-promote. What if we all just took a big step back? I'm not talking about not being on social media. I don't care if anyone's on social media. I'm talking about taking a step back from that portraiture, that posturing, and instead saying, how can I embody these things? Every time I want to write about something, every time I want to talk about something, can I self-reflect and say, am I living this? Am I living this in the good moments? Am I living it in the challenging moments? Another way to look at embodiment is wholeness. It's saying, is there room for all of these aspects of my personality? And am I showing up with all of them and allowing them to shine and do their parts? Or am I compartmentalizing? Am I hiding parts of myself? Am I ashamed of parts of myself? And if you are new to this and you want to begin today embodying things, the first place I would recommend starting is with your breath. 
And I want you to start paying attention to when and how you breathe. Because one thing I know is that when we want to not feel something, when we want to not experience something, we stop breathing. And so bringing some awareness into that and saying for the next week, I'm going to pay attention. Every time a challenging feeling comes up or a difficult conversation comes up, am I holding my breath? Can I stop right now in this moment and just begin to breathe? And before I say something, before I race for a response, before I race for my defenses, can I invite breath into this situation? Another thing you can do if you are new to embodiment is really just get down to the root of the word and you hear the word body in embodiment and check in how detached are you from your own body. And I know that, again, we're encouraged to just be in our thoughts and in our mind, but I really want to bring it down into the density of these bodies we walk around in. And what are you doing to escape your body? That's a pretty deep question when you think about it because we do all sorts of things to get away from ourselves. And so maybe for the next week, just invite yourself back home. Make this body a home and do the things that your body likes and see what impact that has on you. And that could be anything. I'm not here to tell you what it is. You know what feels good for your body. And that's not an extra. That's not something we do some other time. This embodiment practice happens in the here and now. My friend Dan gave me some really powerful advice a long time ago. And he said, whenever you feel like you want to make a big change in your life, when you want to change your relationship, you want to change where you live, you want to change something in your professional life, you want to change the whole world, you can start by cleaning your sock drawer. You can start by washing dishes, start by folding the laundry, go clean out your car. And he wasn't saying that to minimize the changes that I wanted to make in my life. He was talking about a practice of embodiment and not getting into grandiosity because we all tend to do that. And society and the culture encourages us to do that. You know, your thoughts become things. We hear that all the time. And yes, positive thinking is very important. But does positive thinking actually harm me if I'm not embodying what I want, what I want to do, who I want to be? Am I setting myself up to fail by saying that my mind has all the power, but my body has none? My presence has none? My physicality isn't a part of this? I don't think so. And I know that I have relied on his advice for probably the last 10 years, anytime I needed to make a big change or decision, I found myself cleaning up the little corners of my life that I had let go astray. And in that action, in that presence, in getting out of my mind and just being in that state of working something out, things have magically come together. And so I'm going to encourage you to start doing the same. I mean, what could it hurt? It's free. (laughs) So if you're in those situations and you do want to start making a change, pause and think, how can I embody this? In what way can I do this in my present life, where I am with what I have? Earlier this week, I had a really beautiful conversation with a friend and they were talking about this topic, 
believe it or not, we started talking about one thing, but it actually led to embodiment and how challenging that can be in a world that dismisses that. At the end of the conversation, they asked for some advice, and I asked for some time and grace because I wanted to sit with this and really give it my presence, and I ended up sending a text message. So my advice this week regarding embodiment sounds like this. Number one, constantly seek positions of neutrality versus reactivity. How can I remove myself from the emotions and the story that I am telling myself about this person, place, or thing? Number two, ask yourself, what can I bring to this situation or how can I help? Versus asking yourself what you can get out of it. We all assume that we naturally do this, but we don't. And when we bring awareness and presence to this, we can change our behavior. Number three, Establish boundaries within yourself to create a healthy sense of self-respect and self-love. It is an antidote to shame. What is the line I will not cross with myself again? That can be anything from raising our voice or slamming objects or allowing ourselves to escalate feelings of anger with our stories. Number four, stop seeking validation for accomplishments or good deeds. When we seek validation outside of ourselves, we position ourselves for resentment and to be resented by others. Number five, specifically, do not seek validation of any kind from someone in our life who is experiencing stress or anxiety. This is taxing to them. It exhausts them further. It puts them into a state of fear that if they don't constantly offer us accolades, our changed behavior will stop. Number six, embody your highest ideal self instead of falling to the trap of trying to be better. And number seven, define five qualities of the person you want to be, whether that is a parent, a partner, a coworker, a boss, a family member, whatever it is, what are the five qualities of this person that you want to be? And Integrate them into everything you do, no matter what response you receive from the people around you. That means not waiting for someone to applaud us or to respond or to react. It's saying, if I want to be a kind person, I'm going to be a kind person no matter what. I'm going to be a kind person even if you're not kind back. I'm going to be a kind person even if I don't know you. I am embodying that quality. And like I said, I needed that list just as much as the person I sent it to. And so I hope it resonated for you and you felt like there were some key takeaways. I actually thought that this episode was going to be very short today because I'm still not feeling well, but I am so glad I was able to lay a foundation for this topic because I believe that it's going to be one of the topics that we touch on very often in the future. At least I hope so. And I know that no matter what, it's something that I'm continuing to do and integrate into my own life. So until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Check out this week's playlist on my personal Spotify account and join me on Instagram and TikTok for daily journal prompts at love letters and mixtapes. If you enjoyed this episode, consider making a monthly donation to support this podcast. You can scroll down to the notes section of this episode 
or click on the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes.